Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 89 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today was responsible for one of the biggest surprises at Final Battle end of an era a few weeks ago. Actually, in literal terms, it was the biggest surprise. He is EC3. EC3, welcome back to the show, my friend. the essential character i would just like to reiterate i'm of sound body and sound mind so if i'm ever to be disappeared or if ever to befall self-harm know that it was not me who did that know that i am perfectly content and know that my greater purpose has taken one step further thanks to final battle so yeah if anything ever happens to me you know, I got a dead man switch, so don't even start Ring of Honor offices. Don't even start anybody else in this industry because an awakening is taking place and I can bring this cabal down. Having said that, great to be back. How are you, sir? Wow. I am uh, I am outstanding. I, you know, that's we've never gotten off to a start. You know, what is I said episode 89. In the previous 88 episodes, I don't think we've ever gotten off to quite a start like that on the podcast. So, uh, well, I, I tend to uh, change the game no matter where I go. And I was thinking, because this is 89, yeah. I wish I had uh, Flip Gordon on the horn so he can give me some sort of numerical reason what 89 can mean. I don't know if you if you know this. He's into the geometria, I believe it's yeah. called. Yeah. The study of numbers and how they correlate to everything. And he's really good at it. It's it's baffling and i'm like dude this is more interesting than anything you've ever done in a ring why don't you do this <laughs> and what he's done in a ring is pretty pretty interesting right oh, yeah. so that, that really interesting. really the says guy went, yeah the guy's has freaking amnesia for crying out loud but i'm like if i ever get a chance to control your narrative we are running with this and then you know what i just may have that chance Ooh, well that he's into he's into what i'm doing he gets it i get it i mean i think everybody who uh who was familiar with it, uh, gets it, but, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Let me, it's funny you brought up Flip Gordon because I was just going to ask you, uh, you know, we are in the holiday season and I was going to ask you if you had any new year's Eve plans, uh, coming up. You know, I, I did see that you got invited to Flip's end of 2018. Let's welcome in 2019 new year's Eve party. Uh, my invitation must've gotten lost in the mail. I didn't get mine. Uh, you know, I thought Flip and I were pretty good in, in 2018, so I'm a little surprised by that. But uh, do you have any New Year's Eve plans, my friend, with Flip or otherwise? Uh, well, I certainly won't be attending his party for the essential character no longer dabbles in the lifestyle of the, uh, you know, the mundane, the, the, you know, the hackless tormenting of torturing my body with alcohol and fake superstitions and, you know, uh, the... I'll just say getting like, you know, kissing girls at midnight or stuff like that. I've far deeper, far more meaningful uh, adventures to construe, especially going into the new year. I think, uh, like I said, at final battle, you know, 
wasn't a final battle. It's a first strike. And when you strike first, you have to keep the pressure up. So plotting the next move would probably be good. Perhaps if I had a time machine and it was 2018, I could slip over to Flip's party. I probably would have attended. The top 1% would have showed up. Lambo intact, doing his best Bruce Wayne. Two girls on each arm, probably jumping into the fountain, smooching, kissing, whatever, you know, <laughs> rocking and rolling, starting strolling, making things happen, life of the party, you know, up till 5 a.m. But there's one tradition that I will never never disregard on New Year's Eve. My mother gave me this tradition and that is to hold a dollar in your hand as the clock strikes midnight for it will guarantee you financial success in the next year. Well, I've never, is, is that just a, uh, is that something that, that your mother came up with or is that like a real thing that other people, cause I've never heard of that before. I believe she got it from her mother. I mean, I could ask her, hold on a second. Hey mom. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, New Year's tradition where we hold money in our hand. Where did that come from? Okay, you invented it. Cool. Yeah, she invented it. She invented it. Wow. Now, it, obviously, it's worked out for you because I know you're doing pretty well financially. Oh, no. I, mean, I don't know if you're well, top I mean, one. <laughs> I don't know if you're top 1% anymore. I think you. Well, cons yeah, considering I'm unemployed right now. Yeah, I guess I'm doing super well on financially but i know you're uh you're an entrepreneurial sort and um i want to get into all that as i said later on the control your narrative movement and all those things of course and that's great that you're that mrs ec3 uh made a uh made an appearance on the show that's you know it's not the first um parent it's to be not. we did have papa briscoe on the show before so uh oh well, he's a legend yeah i believe this is the first time anyone's actually had their mother make a brief cameo. So once again, you are blazing new trails as you always, as you always do. Uh, well, let's, let's harken back into the time back machine again. And I don't know if you were part of the uh, mega conglomerate uh, corporate wrestling machine at the time, but on NXT, a curly haired Derek Bateman, who was trying to date Maxine brought his mother, Agnes Bateman, yeah. Named by Matt Stryker in the moment, in the heat of the moment, right. to an NXT taping, and she was on uh, internet television. I do, yes, I was part of the, what is it called, the conglomerate, what's the, that again? Yeah, the, uh, the conglomerate corporate wrestling machine. Right. The leader of the, the, leader of the three-letter brands. Right, yes. exactly, the three-letter brand. Yes, I was, I was part of that uh, at the time, and I do remember it now that you say that. And you know what else I remember? <clears throat> We're getting off track a little bit, but that's okay because we have no, we're free form here. Wherever, whatever road we go down, that's where we go. You know what I remember about that whole thing is, um, and I don't know if you're aware, but there was major heat on the writer of that segment, uh, the mm -hmm. beloved Tom Cassiello. And I hope he doesn't yep. uh, mind us mentioning his name, but there was heat from, well, well, you know what? Let's just say who it was from. Triple H. Triple H was hot. Because apparently Tom didn't clear having the parents on the show. And, and Hunter uh, laid into him pretty well. Did, were you aware of that? I believe I was. I knew there was, and I was systematically uh, probably received residual heat, shockingly, for it. Because, you know, you can only, you can only punish the writer. So everyone's got to pay to play, even though playing is no fun there. But yeah, I knew there was some sort of heat. He didn't actually tell me how much, and I didn't know to that extent. But 
Well, Paul, I will tell you, on the internet show, nobody cared about, especially you guys. We tried to do our best to entertain our fans and put smiles on people's faces, and we did it by any means necessary. Um, hey, but you created an exceeding your own baby, and it was very successful, so congratulations. How's everything going up there? Okay, good. Good to know. <laughs> All right, well, that was an interesting little sidetrack. Let's, let's, get, uh, let's get right into this, though, about Final Battle. Um, and I want to talk, obviously, about the part that you played on that show. But first, I just wanted to ask you, uh, what was the vibe like for you that night? Because obviously, this was, a, uh, this was not a typical final battle. It was the end of an era. Uh, I know you haven't been with ROH all that long, just uh, a little over a year. But what was it like for you being part of the end of an era show for Ring of Honor? Well, I think... Uh... Ring of Honor, I had a great respect for, admiration for, and what I regret about it is that I never experienced it in its full glory, its full honor, due to my coming in in the pandemic in strange times and locker room separations and pandemic protocols. So ingraining myself into the culture and you know even the live audiences, we only had a few shows in front of like a rabid live fan base that's kind of dissipated because nobody knew the direction or the whereabouts or the what of the company. And it was, you know, it's the pandemic times and we were all a casualty of that in a sense, being a part of the final battle. Cause last year, final battle, I was supposed to take on Jay Briscoe in a match I've wanted for a long time in my career. Like Jay Briscoe, people are like, who's your favorite ring of honor wrestler of all time. And this is even before I went there. I was like, Jay Briscoe, Jay Briscoe's one of the most phenomenal capable sound talents who deserves the world in the ring and what i respect the most about him is the loyalty he's not only shown to ring of honor but the loyalty he shows to his family most importantly like he doesn't get lost in the proverbial wrestling bubble i call it like he does his business he does his business the best he can better than almost everybody and then he goes home and he's proud of who he is and he's proud of his family and i respect the hell out of that yeah, respecting Jay as a man, obviously. So that was a fight I've always wanted. It was supposed to take place in my first final battle, but I was stricken with uh, COVID-19. Obviously, survived well, like 99.9% of people do. <laughs> but from that, we went into March in the 19th anniversary show. I had the great match with him. One of the matches I'm super proud of and super happy I was able to, um, you know, put my body of work with his and see what we came up with. But on this final battle, it was different. Uh, I wouldn't say morale was down. Everyone was in a positive mood, which kind of, you know, it kind of was inspired my awakening to the talent at the same time. Like they have this blind loyalty and allegiance to, in theory, a company that has been their home. But despite the circumstances, no matter the circumstances, still cast them aside. So the real mission for me on final battle is I knew I knew the end result it was about how do I get there and though I'm top ranked contender though Jay Briscoe is the only person to have defeated me in a ring of honor ring I'm, my W record's pretty good I was kind of off the card so infiltrating finding my way onto the card winding up into that eight-man tag team match where the match was the least important 
thing I was going to do that night. Awakening the wrestling universe was far more important. So that day, it was crazy. So while I had to pertain my usual distance from people that I try to, I also had to infiltrate the building. I had to infiltrate the staff. I had to secretly pay the athletic commission to give my men physicals. I had to sneak them into a building. I had to hide them in a secret room. I had to have, you know, my legions of stooges feed them and keep them occupied and keep that all under the radar, under the vest of not only the talent, but the company itself. So it was a daunting task, but I am a, you know, I'm a man who stands on his own fruition and gets things done. And it, it, I manifested it and it happened. And now we are off to the races. So final battle itself, honor to be part of an end of an era in a sense, but at the same time, enough of the bullshit where we talk about ends of eras and we honor each other and this and that. There is no honor in what we do when we do it for other people, when we do it for corporate wrestling. There's honor in what we do when we do it for ourselves. Well, let's uh, pull back the curtain a little bit even further because uh, you really did pull it off. Um, very few people I've been told after the fact that it was really just a handful of people. Uh, you might even have fingers left over if you counted the fingers on your hand who knew what was actually going to happen that night with you. As far as uh, Adam Scher, formerly Braun Strowman. Uh, is he now known as Titan? Is that what he's going to go by? He is Adam Scher, but through, through him controlling his narrative, through the piece of art we put out called Free the Narrative 2, available on YouTube, youtube.com slash control your narrative his very first foray into a ring since his dismissal from the wwe he killed the monster that was created for him and he rose a titan so adam share birth name christian name government name he will maintain that but he is the titan correct okay well, I did not see, this was one of those instances, you know, we hear about it sometimes where guys were hidden backstage. Uh, I certainly was backstage, did not see Adam. Certainly you couldn't miss him, uh, a guy of that size. Didn't see him back there. Very few people knew about it. Um, we were promised that final battle, uh, there were going to be surprises and expect the unexpected. And I had an inkling of some of the other things that happened that night. But as I said, I had no idea that Adam was coming out. Obviously, the reaction of the fans, they had no idea this was happening. It's so hard nowadays, as you know, to keep anything in the wrestling business secret. Someone will stooge it off. Someone will find yes. out. Someone will, you know, there'll be a spoiler. Guess who's in Baltimore tonight on the wrestling websites? How did you pull this off? Very much keeping it close to the vest and... Uh... Even people I trust with my life, I did not tell what was taking place because if some word got out, if some way it was stooge off to the internet, if, if there were people that I trusted that weren't involved with it that I did tell, would I lose my trust for them even though it probably wasn't them? It was probably a residual. So just by, by planning, it's the art of war, man. You never let your tactics be known. And I, the people that needed to know knew hiding a six foot eight Titan, you know, <laughs> you know, like a hood and a face mask in a hotel where there's fans around, not easy. 
uh, using my other men as sort of like a diversionary tactics. You know, it's, it was a great deception. It was not easy, but it was worth it because so rarely, so rarely in this day and age, especially with the internet and, you know, the wrestling media, the corrupt wrestling media that they make their money off of getting this information and saying it. So nothing is a surprise anymore. And what made me love this, what made me want to do this for the rest of my life, what made me want to create it at the highest level were the moments I had when I didn't know what was coming and I was shocked. There's nothing better in the world than that. Rarely do we have that opportunity. So being able to pull that off was a great personal success and you know, it was a great professional success. Well, and it was such a great moment on a show that had many memorable moments. Um, it must have been, I mean, I, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, this era of Ring of Honor was unfortunately, you know, your time here is the pandemic era and the chances to perform in front of actual live crowds were very few and far between for you during your Ring of Honor uh, time. So to be in the ring in front of a nice sized crowd, hear that roar and just that holy shit chant when, when, when Adam came out and uh, you know, you're cutting your promo. I mean, I, I don't think it could have gone any better than it did. What was it like for you as a performer? Because it's probably been a while, right? Since you felt that kind of energy. Like that's, those are the moments you look for really. And this is, when all the sacrifice and all the the bad things or the subpar things or the meaningless things, the, the work you do on the back end that looks like it goes nowhere to get that payoff and like a moment, it's, it's perfect, but a moment is all you can expect from perfection. So to have it, to live it, I have a couple stories I could tell on that. The first one, like, I'm ranting and raving. I'm going nuts. I'm losing my goose. Also, I'm a slightly cognizant of the fact we're on pay-per-view and time is running. And I'm still a professional. And I definitely want, you know, John to have his moment at the end of the show and right. uh, everything else. Like, I'm cognizant. Like, I didn't want to rush it, but I knew I kind of had to in a sense. And, like, and just how everything in wrestling is so manufactured nowadays from like walkthroughs and script writing and all this that I would like, I had things I wanted to say, but I'm like, why am I trying to remember words? Speak from the heart, just say the things you think, like let's feel this whole entire thing out there. And I think a lot of new talent, which I'm trying to instill in them too, is that the feeling is what makes it worth it. Going out there with nothing and creating, you feel so much better than going out there and doing all the things you talked about and rehearsed and expecting reactions. So natural reactions of fans, things of that nature. There was one fan. I remember I'm, I'm, I'm losing my shit on the mic. You know, I'm going nuts. Spouting hot fire verbatim. Screaming bloody murder. Maybe it's gibberish. I don't know. But there's this one, you know, it's a prototypical wrestling fan. He's got the beard. He's got the glasses on. He's got the hat. He's got the 3X gilding on. He's trying to start what chance when I'm talking. I'm like looking right at him, not looking at the hard cam. I'm looking at this one fan, this one dude. I'm saying my things. He's like, you suck. 
Derek, man, where's your aunt? Like, he's trying to hit me with everything. And, like, I'm impregnable. You cannot touch me, especially when there's a microphone in my hand. And I'm going and I'm going. And I say three words, free the Titan. And I stop. And he finally has a second to speak to me or he's screaming aimlessly. Regardless, he paid his money. It's fine. He's like, free the Titan. What is this? Control your narrative, stupid. You're stupid. What's that? What? Wait, what? 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 Oh my God, it's Braun! And his hands go up. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the master. That's what awesome. With me. That's me. awesome. You know, like, let me tell you, take you down this thing. So that is one. And the second one, the narrative guys will be hopping our Escalade. We're on the road back, you know, everybody's on their phones. Everybody's like, yeah, man, look at all that. All the reactions, all the reactions. It's the first time in the night I, I had the chance to look at my phone. And I pull it out, and I'm looking at my crew. I'm looking at what we accomplished. And I'm like, not one person could say what happened because I felt what happened. And I just didn't even look at the phone, and I just sat there in a stoic silence, very appreciative of what took place. Well, Live in the moment, man. Yeah, I would think, uh, you've, I've, you know, clearly you've had big moments in professional wrestling. Uh, I'm not going to, probably Maxine's, the, the, the wedding, probably not, not in your top five, but certainly you've won world titles. You've been part of uh, big angles, big matches. Uh, I know that match you had with uh, Spud, where it was, yep. uh, you know, head, loser loses their hair, and there was, you know, it, it was such a great buildup, and it was, you bloodied him up, and all that stuff. You've been part of some great moments, but and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm guessing this had to be as satisfying as winning the world championship in Impact or, or anything else that you've done. I mean, just to, again, I know we're repeating ourselves, but to pull this off in this day and age and get that reaction, um, I can only imagine, you know, how, how gratifying it must have been for you. It's certainly, I wouldn't rank them in any order, but it's definitely top three at this point. And what makes it so unique and different is though I had the platform and I was gifted it and I thank them very much for it to do it. A lot had to do of what I was trying to build on my own and them coming together. Cause what I'm doing on my own, it's unique. It's cool. People are catching on, but at the same time, it's outside of the wrestling bubble. So to have these worlds infiltrate and finally come together to people are like, wait, there's actually something happening over here that helped us take that next step. And I think it's a great step, not only for myself and what we're creating and what I hope to offer other talents, but it's a great step for the reimagined Ring of Honor to come back because we're ready made to go to war. Ab absolutely. And that excites me just to hear you say that because obviously I'm sitting there again, like the fans, not, I was, I was kayfabed, right? I didn't know what was going on. Um, so I'm in the moment as well. and thinking, man, this is cool. And the fact that some of our, our core talents, some of our roster members, Eli Isom, uh, the Mecca, Brian Johnson, Dak Draper, they were involved in this. That immediately got my head, uh, you know, I'm thinking ahead now to, wow, when, when we come back after this brief hiatus, it's just like you said, we've got a ready-made angle right here because three of our guys are involved. And, uh, and I know that, that you are not tied you will not be tied to any three-letter corporate brand, right. as you put it. Correct. Uh, Adam yeah. is not. So, yeah, it's exciting. And I love that you framed it as this is not an invasion because 
invasion angles are always cool, right? I mean, going back to the NWO days. But I feel like with anything in wrestling, we've seen them. And at some point, it becomes a cliche, and it's like, oh, here's another invasion. I love that you said this is not an invasion, and it's something entirely different. You have succeeded in creating something that is totally unique, unlike anything else out there. And uh, as a wrestling fan and a long-time grizzled, jaded wrestling fan that I am, there's not much that really gets me that excited anymore, but this did. So it's, uh, kudos it's, to you for yeah, that. I appreciate that. And it's, it's definitely about the follow through too, because when you're doing business on other people's terms, there's going to be give and take. So the control that I so desperately seek exists in my realm. Can it exist in other realms? Can this non-invasion, but this awakening take place in other three letter brands? I think it's poised to be something that's so unique. It could be so, hot and profitable and so interesting to not only fans but to the companies that would allow this sort of 4d chess to take place on their platforms the sky is truly the limit and it's about you know we accomplish one thing but the second i accomplish something it's on to what's next and phrasing it like you said it's not an invasion invasions have been done and kudos to my narrator who said, we're not invading, we're awakening. And that's kind of what spawned, uh, there was a, a minute drop video immediately after this took place, I think on our socials, where it's, you know, it's almost propaganda to recruit talents of all corporations, of all brands, no matter your level on the card, top of the card, bottom of the card, controlling your narrative isn't about joining some faction, it's about an idea and, Control your narrative is an idea. It is not a faction, but it's also an idea that's going to kick the out of you. So <laughs> let's go because it's wrestling and we like to fight. Yeah. I mean, you called it an idea. I've, I've referred to it as a movement. Uh, I think whatever you want to call it, like I said, it's definitely something that's exciting and, and unique. Uh, I want to ask you though, before we take our, our break, uh, the three talents that were involved, Eli, yes. Ryan, Dak, I just want to get, what are your general thoughts on the three of them? They were named specifically by me to not only the office, but allowed on pay-per-view because of exactly what I see in them. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a point I was going to make, but then I went on that prior rant. So um, that's why I had them there. And what was very important with that whole segment is I didn't want them to be casualties at the expense of a name coming in and just beating people up. Like they were not there to be warm bodies to get tossed around. They were there within reason and purpose. And it's what I see in them. It's what I see like a guy, like all three have lost their home in theory. They've lost everything they've known. They've lost what's most important to them. They don't know what's next. They're jumping into the unknown and I've done it. I've been there. I know the feeling when this all came down, I was like, yeah, of course it's happening. This is man, like, but they came, they literally came to me asking, what do you think? What do you think? What should we do? What should we do? And all three of them I've had instances with that. I want them to know the unknown. It's not a safe place, but it's the right place. And Dak I've known since he walked in to FCW 
and uh, I was I was leaving. He was coming in, but we bonded quickly. And then to see him rise through all the bullshit and find Ring of Honor as a home and really start to develop himself. Uh, Mecca was a guy that he's such a he's a he's a loudmouth. He, he shoots from the hip. I'll second that. Hell, yeah, he's a hell of a wrestler. But what I worry when someone's a hell of a wrestler is that's all they're known for. And he's known for the guy that can, I can go out there and I can wrestle pretty well and it's going to look good and it's going to be good, but I'm probably not going to win. And I'll probably always be at this level. I think he can go way beyond that level, especially with that chip on his shoulder. And Eli wasn't always entirely on my radar until a couple of weeks prior to final battle. We had a one-on-one match. Great match. And by I'm, the way. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you. It, this meant a lot to me too, because as we're having this match, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buttoned down and I'm talking my shit to, him and I'm telling him, but like I could see it resonating with him as he's doing it. Now he's fighting back because he's like he's starting to get in. Like I think he just took a step up in who he was in that match until we get to the back, and I see him, and he's emotional. Not like weeping or crying that he lost. He's just like, I, he felt something different. He felt what this industry should make you feel. And that's real emotion. And he was, he was sitting there feeling it. And he's like, that was maybe my most favorite match of all time. Because like, I actually, like, I just felt it out there when you were talking, when you were saying this to me and you were hitting me, like, I started to feel it. And like, you were coming alive. And I'm like, that's what this is about. It's about the, the moves you can train anybody to do or hitting them in the right spot or like, you know, the clapping to get the crowd behind you or the leg slapping or the horse like that. It's about feeling in the moment who you are. So he just, him having emotion was like, I pegged him as a guy too. So naming them by name, knowing that they're at the very, very worst part of their careers. If they were just able to sacrifice one more time for me physically, I know they could become who they're supposed to be. And they did, and they will. That's why we took them out with us. They're right. part of us now. They're, they're part yeah, of us. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that is so important uh, that it wasn't just three tackling dummies in there. To your point, we're not bringing in a guy from the outside who's going to just destroy them and get himself over, and and that's the end of it. It's yeah, that it was done for a purpose. It was like an initiation of sorts, and uh, and now they're going to be part of something going forward. And I think. As, a, as someone watching it, I totally got that, that this was about the three guys in the ring that took the beat down as much as it was about the guys delivering the beat down. Correct. But now the one thing, the burden of responsibility is on me to provide them with what I said. And it's a great challenge. It won't be easy, but they have my word and my promise that I will give them as much as they put in. All right. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm excited to see what happens next not only for uh, this reimagined Ring of Honor, but for what it means for the Control Your Narrative movement, what it means for these guys. And uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting stuff. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with more with EC3 right after this. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. 
stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the essential character, EC3. Uh, let's talk more about the Control Your Narrative. I called it a movement. Um, you called it, what, what, what was your term for it again? An idea, but it's An certainly idea. a movement. Okay. So for those, there might be some people listening to this who maybe are completely familiar with it or maybe somewhat confused by what it is exactly. How could you sort of, I don't want to say dumb it down, but kind of uh, give them the basic idea of what it is, where it's available, where they can see it, how they can follow it, all those things? Yeah, we use the term dumbing it down, and I don't feel like that, but I do know that every time somebody, and this goes for every wrestler that's listening to this or any person who does anything in the public eye, know this too that every time you're doing your thing, it may be the very first time somebody has seen it. So I think talent have a tendency to get ahead of themselves and, well, I already did that, so I can't do that. Like, there's always new people watching and always new people finding it. So it's not about dumbing it down, but it's trying to make it digestible, which to, to the masses, which I don't know if I do a good enough job with myself. But to make it digestible, it's simple. Control your narrative was a phrase that my narrator and I used because when I was fired during a pandemic for the WWE, like the one thing that I was in the middle of pitching a character, so to speak, but I was actually, no, I was evolving as a person and this is what I wanted to portray on TV. And the day I pitched this, who I am, is the same day the release comes in and it was almost fate in a way. So I released the promo that I cut for the office and then I was working on this. The one thing when WWE, I noticed even from the times we were there in the past to now was the complete, I don't wanna say creative freedom, but the complete lack of creativity you're allowed to do. Um, they talk about and they preach these lines, we're telling stories but we're not telling the stories. We're telling this one person's stories and this one person's stories ain't that good. And I don't use ain't lightly, are not that good. And like the stories I see from talent that I meet in locker rooms before the red lights on, like these people, these their unique struggles, their battles, their ups, their downs, their career highlights and their lowlights, the lowlights in life, things like that are so interesting to me that this could be applied to who you are on screen because that's what people resonate with. They resonate with your reality and the truth. So the control your narrative movement idea came, okay, I'm a fairly decent speaker. For some reason, the boss didn't want me to speak uh, and I got thrown away and cast aside. My idea was I'm gonna recreate this character for 90 days by speaking. Like, so every week I'm at least gonna drop a promo that's better than you can see on Raw or SmackDown. Whether I did or not, yeah, I probably did, unless somebody <laughs> good was talking. But but having a payoff to it, and like, what was the payoff? Like, I was coming to Ring of Honor, but then Ring of Honor got sidetracked again. At the end of the 90 days, Impact had a show, but I wasn't solely sure on that. I needed a payoff for this 90-day thing, which was control your narrative. I created 
my debut match within my own realm in my own world. It's very, it's very much fight club. You know, I had an underground fans weren't allowed in buildings. So we had like a select amount of fans in this underground fight club. And like my first fight back through living the high life as the top 1% and having all the promises and dreams ripped away to go into the bare bottom, you know, darkness of like an underground fight club. Like, how did it come to this? You can see it in his eyes. When we shot a match cinematically, but I hate the term cinematic wrestling because that means everyone has special powers or it's like stupid jokes. My idea was to shoot wrestling cinematically so you can get inside the ring and inside people's emotions and faces. So we self-produce our own match. We enjoy doing it so much, we decided to create a feature. So that's when I threw a bunch of shade at Matt Cardona about who he was. We created our own feature called Free the Narrative. And on the back end of that, Braun slash Adam was at a, you know, a low life, low light personally, where we're having a talk and this is the day before, but we're having to talk about if I could ever get into a narrative, this is what I'd want to do. This is a story I want to tell. I'm like, that's your story. That's controlling your narrative. Too bad that will never happen. Next day, he's released. And it's like, holy shit. Now we have to do another one. So we created Free the Narrative 2, and we based that on Adam's, you know, destruction of the monster that was created for him by the corporate wrestling machine. And his rise has become a good titan in who he really is and who he wants to be going forward not just in wrestling, but in life. So all these features and all that content we created are available on controlyournarrative.co, not .com, .co, or Control Your Narrative on YouTube. And you can you know, watch it and check it out. And we shoot some cool shit. But I really wanted to focus on other people. And so with Free the Narrative 1 and Free the Narrative 2, I was bringing in different talents. Like I used Moose. I used John Schuyler. John Schuyler was coming off a knee injury from the Indies. Nobody knew who he was. His first match back was in our Free the Narrative original feature. Coming off a serious knee injury that he had to pay for and like no promoters calling him, he does this. Now it's not because of Free the Narrative, but then months later, he's killing it in impact. So these people are going through you know, I, I wanted to create a place that's supplemental to what's taking place in the wrestling world where talents can come, recreate themselves, expand on themselves, develop who they are, completely free of any sort of ulterior motives or corporate writing or backing. You know, and creative freedom isn't for everybody and not everybody should have it. And you certainly can't have it. And there's so many other intangibles at play when you're a giant corporation. But here, you can see what happens. What works, what doesn't work, what's cool, what's not. I just wanted a realm where people can do that. And I keep looking to expand people into it. And it's sort of off the grid of the wrestling bubble. So that's why the Ring of Honor awakening was so important and where we're going to go with it in 2022. Well, and I think it's, it's such a good time uh, for something like this, because there are so many, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, free agents or people who are not tied down to one specific company have the freedom as that I know that's a word you use a lot, the freedom to sort of wrestle in multiple places at once. I mean, I use Chelsea Green as a great example. She's at Ring of Honor one night, she's at Impact the next night. Uh, right. Then she goes down to GCW and does a 
you know, something with her fiance, Matt Cardona. And, and there's a lot of people like that now, a lot of talents like that who have that maneuverability. Uh, and that just, I mean, that gives you fertile ground because yeah. suddenly there's all these uh, potential people out there for you to work with that could control their narrative and, and be part of what you're doing. So, I mean, it just seems like uh, perfect timing. I mean, with what you're doing and with the talent that's now available to you to do these things. But what I want to ask you is, um, as far as you personally, you know, a lot of people have, you know, we just talked about people that have the freedom to go multiple places, but still the dream for a lot of people is to have that security to sign that exclusive contract with a big company. You've done that before. You've been in that position. Now that you've been through that, had some good experiences and, and maybe some not so good experiences. Um, now that you have this creative freedom and are controlling your narrative, do you ever picture yourself ever again signing an exclusive contract to one of the three letter corporate brands? I would never say never because if uh, I see TNT driving that Brinks truck up and backing it up to my <laughs> humble abode, a little jack shack. I, I would think about it, but I think too, how far I've come and what I put in on this level before it even has become what it's supposed to be. And there's things in the work for this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked have taken place and you know, there's opportunity. I don't, this will never be another wrestling company that, you know, we're going to have a weekly TV with a champion and 20 minute promo opens a show and like, 30 minutes of the show is good and the other two hours are dog shit. or like it's you know I, I don't ever see it like that but I could see it being I guess like a streaming seasonal thing that talent create their stories and be become featured and then they have their basis they have their real in a sense and they also have this experience to take elsewhere for myself personally I think any brand of you know corporate wrestling brand i love comfort but also comfort breeds complacency and you can see it in some of the quote best wrestlers right now going They're, they go through the motions and it's complacent because they have their guaranteed deals so they're a blessing sometimes they're a curse could i go do that again in a sense but i don't think i would do it at the expense of what i can build so no matter where i go I have an army behind me. I have an entire library behind me. And I also have, I think, a, in sense, a bargaining chip that I can continue to create this on my own while I'm delivering the best for you. And we can co-brand this and I can develop your people. We can work, it can all work together synerg synergistically and we can all move forward and do something great. But at the same time, like if it came, I'll give you this much money, but you can't do any of that ever again. I'm like, well, this is completely different. Why? Because we just want you exclusively. Well, that's an, another zero then. Sorry. <laughs> Tough. And, you know, we would see. But I, my true vision is working within the parameters of corporate wrestling, providing great value and entertainment and storytelling for fans when I think that is truly what is lacking today and that only comes with developed characters that people care if they win or lose not 
not if they win or lose, but how they win or lose or what happens after they win or they lose. Right. Yeah. Winner, winning or losing is, is important, just like it is in any sport. That's why we keep score. Right. That's that is important. But to your point, um, it's it's the reasons that we're having the fight or the match, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and as you said, it's the emo- it's, it's the lead up to it. It's what. Ha- yes, the result is important. But then there's the follow up and the aftermath. And how was that? Per- you know, the person who won, how did how is how does this win affected them? How has it changed them going forward? The person that lost, you know, the story doesn't end once the referee hits the mat three times and the bell rings to your point. And, and I think, man, you just really hit on something with investing in characters. But the, to me, the genius of this whole thing is you're really taking people's real life stories and blending that in and telling it, you know, again, for lack of a better word, cinematically, or it's, it's this perfect blend of reality and fantasy together. And it's something that, look, we all know wrestling's a work, you know, we're not trying to fool anybody. Uh, but the way this all blends together, it just comes off as real. And I know, you know, the person that you are now, you are a different person than I knew 10 years ago, uh, you know, in WWE when you were curly-headed Derek Bateman. I mean, you're, you've evolved and your character has evolved and you've been able to, you know, mix your real life story and, and have it play out with, in the realm of professional wrestling and, and telling stories and characters and all those things. So I think this is really you know, you've hit on a genius idea and, uh, you know, I congratulate you for that. And I think it's exciting. And I think it's exciting for people in the business to have this opportunity, uh, to work with you. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard to do something new or first in this business, as you know, but yeah, there's nothing like what you're doing right now. So, uh, again, I think you and your partners, uh, the people that you work with, you, you've really hit on something here that, uh, you know, I only see it growing in the future and something that more and more people are, are going to want to be a part of. And as far as creative freedom goes, I can just think that, you know, once you have it to any degree, it's hard to give up. Like once you have that creative freedom and you've gotten a taste of it and, and uh, you can kind of do your own thing. It, to me, it's always going to be hard to, uh, to ever give that up. Well, like, and I think uh, as a writer yourself, you guys, had a tendency to get a bad rap, like the writing sucks. <laughs> These guys should have creative freedom, and it's not true. Creative freedom, especially in a corporate wrestling world, comes in collaboration exactly with over overall storytelling with creative people. Like narrative works because of my partner JC and I bouncing ideas off each other, where he sees one thing completely different than I do, but I'm like, wait, how can this work? And then somewhere in the middle, not even in the middle, but somewhere completely elsewhere, the true answer lies. And we're both like, no, that's it. So collaboration is imperative. Creative freedom. Like if I had creative freedom, uh, all right, Vince, here's my creative freedom. All right, I'm gonna come in day one WWE. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, you know, beat a couple guys, establish my move set, then I'm gonna, you know, become an intercontinental champion. I'm gonna hold that for six months. I'm gonna beat everybody. Uh, then I'm going to win the Royal Rumble, and then I'm going to win the world title at WrestleMania, so I'm a double champ. Right? <laughs> well, that's a good idea for me. Yeah. That's real f-ing cool. But, like, it doesn't work like that. And I think the writers had such a bad rep, too, because I know how hard you guys would work writing weeks in advance with, you know, dips and 
plot points and going, we're going here to go here to go here to go here. And then how every day something changed, especially the day of television where it didn't matter. So the amount of like fruitless, tireless effort you guys would put in to craft the stories that people do want to see, they got changed, whether it's not our call, it's not our company. So it, it starts at the top and whatever that may be, whatever they want, they get like, I think writing got a bad rep and creative freedom isn't solely one person's ideas being allowed to be said. They're working the collaboration. And the best segments with creative freedom is when two talents are getting together. Like if we're gonna have a, a money promo exchange to sell a pay-per-view, where do you wanna go? What's the basis? Where's the story taking us? So we can come in hard and throw shots at each other and make it interesting and make it dynamic. But at the same time, we both know where we have to take this to get there. So that's a good challenge when you find a a likewise dance partner. Absolutely. And I appreciate you putting over the writers there. I mean, I I do do appreciate that. Lord knows, man, I (laughs) felt bad for all the you guys had to take. Well, you know, you're you're hundred percent right about the collaboration part of it is I really, I, I do think, yeah, when we say creative freedom, I know you gave like an extreme example of, oh, I'm going to come in and win the title. Um, it's funny. Uh, I may have told this before to you. I'm not sure. But uh, Brian Gewertz, former uh, WWE writer, head writer. Now, of course, he's like Dwayne Johnson's right-hand man. Uh, and apparently has a book coming out, which I can't wait to read about wow. his life as a WWE writer. Uh, but anyway, Brian was telling us the story one time when I was a writer at WWE that, you know, they were encouraging talent to come to pitch ideas, you know, come up with, you know, if, if, if creative has nothing for you, so to speak, like what, what's your idea? And he said that uh, Bob Holly came up to him one day and said, Hey, I got an idea from one of them storylines. And, and, and Brian goes, Oh really, Bob? Well, what is it? I win the title. That's it. Good. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Done. Done. Perfect. Great storyline. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the, the collaboration part, that was to me, the fun part too, is, is getting with talent and hearing your ideas and, you know, how would you like, Hey, we have a germ of an idea. How, how do you, what, what can you contribute to this? And to me, that was always the, the fun part was sitting down with talent and try to, you know, hash these things out. There were other talents who really wanted you to hand them a, you know, Hey, here's your promo. And um, great. I'll go learn it and memorize it and I'll go out and deliver it. And, you know, that worked for them. Uh, it felt like, you know, they didn't necessarily need the creative freedom, right? They just wanted to be direct. You just direct me and I'll do what you tell me to do. And, and that's that. But yeah, to me, some of the best ideas I've heard uh, in this business are talent pitching ideas for themselves. Like this is, how about this? And a lot of times it's like, wow, that's better than anything I could come up with, you know? So, or that's pretty good, but we can't exactly go that route, but we could take that and we can go this way with it. And that still gets us to the same destination. Right. And then that gives you somewhere to go when that's over. Like, it ain't rocket science, man. It's not no. brain surgery. Exactly. Is that the right one? I mean, it's not brain science. Is that right? It's not rocket surgery. Either way, I meant to say the wrong one. But right. Yes. Well, and that's the thing. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to beat up on, on. You know, belabor this point about about WWE. But that was the frustrating part. Is that so often Vince would say, you know, this isn't one man's vision. Like, you know, I want everybody's ideas and, 
you know, he would encourage that. But at the end of the day, it really was one man's vision because no matter what your idea was, it would become his version of that idea uh, or else just his idea. Um, so it was, it was, it was a very, uh, for creative people, being a creative writer in WWE can be very frustrating. It can be very rewarding uh, when you see some things play out, uh, you know, the way you imagined it, but too often yeah. or more often than not, it gets twisted and, and becomes something completely different than you imagined. Sometimes might be better, sometimes not, but uh, yeah, that's that. That's that. I want to ask you a sort of a philosophical question about how wrestling's presented and it's uh, it, this is unique to you as well because you know the old tried and true formula is baby faces and heels and mm -hmm. if if i had to categorize you if i if somebody asked me what's ec3 in ring of honor i'm not sure i mean sometimes i felt like you were the good guy sometimes i felt like you were the bad guy sometimes i felt like you were a tweener um what is your basic philosophy on that do faces and heels still work or is it better to have sort of shades of gray and complex characters that aren't easily categorized i think faces and heels are the protagonists and antagonists are the like crutch of storytelling so they do exist do they exist in the same realms as we think of like fresh face young white boot baby face firing up the crowd against beer drunk, you know, cigarette smoking, dusty beard, bad guy, barrel chested heel. No, shades of gray for sure and differing levels. But even when you say that, I had a hard time differentiating myself too. Because when I first came in, you know, I'm spouting off my insanity and my gibberish and my like, control. Hey, you've been screwed over and you're being lied to, blah, blah, blah. And it's very, to some, it's like, shut up man shut up you suck and then the others are like no he's got a point he's kind of right and i think it was a blessing but it's also a curse because from what you're saying and your mission and your objectives differentiate from psychology within a ring for an intriguing matchup i do think you need somebody overcoming something to whether they achieve victory or succumb to defeat. And that really can only happen with a defined protagonist and antagonist. So that's why sometimes like a guy like Adam, how can he in a ring be anything other than an antagonist? Cause he's an impossible mountain to climb and like nobody can stand in a ring with him as like a villain, even me, six foot one, jacked. Yeah, I picked him up on some body slamming. You can see it on Free the Narrative too. I'm real strong, but like short of me instilling an army of hooded figures to beat him up, like no. At the end of the day, ninety nine point nine percent of the times that guy's going to whip my ass. So it's hard for him to have sympathy. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, so I think basic in-ring psychology and basic character development are different and then there's ways to intertwine them. But two, I think it could, it doesn't need to be clearly defined because each instance has its own story to tell. So I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. So naturally 
the Ravens are my heels at all times. And I actually saw this with Ohio State and Michigan. Like, Ohio State's destined to lose this year. I knew it. Like, they're ranked too high. This is stupid. Michigan's going to beat us. And Michigan beat us. Now, Michigan's my ultimate heel in college football, in a sense. But they also beat my team. So if they're the best team, does that mean my team beating them next year makes, like, so do I want them to succeed? Or do I want them to fail and right. i don't know man the esotericness in me says protagonist antagonist crutches storytelling in wrestling you definitely need shades of gray and you need you need unique uh traits and motives and opportunities and actions basic wrestling psychology unless you're both two people at a very top level that you just want to see what happens like you know a rock and cena there doesn't need to be a baby face or a heel. It just needs to be these guys, these two swinging going at it, so to speak. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with your, uh, I agree wholeheartedly with your assessment there. I think ultimately you do need, as you said, a protagonist and an antagonist, but um, I think we, you know what? I think the wrestling business has evolved for the most part and it's not necessarily guys wearing a, a white hat and a black hat. It has gotten a little more, um, Geez, I'm going to use a word my old boss used to use a lot. Sophisticated. Uh, yes. Yeah, has gotten a little more sophisticated, but um, yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, with Adam, and and yeah, it's hard to make him the baby face because how do you get sympathy on a guy that's that size? But on the other hand, when a guy is that much of a badass, and this happened to him, just like it happens with a lot of badass wrestlers, they become the cool guy that you you can't dislike them because they're yeah. such badasses that's like. Yeah, I like that guy. You know, so it's oh god, he flips over trucks. He's awesome. Exactly. Man, this guy won't shove. I just want one person to come out here and kick his ass, and that works too to an extent. And I think that kind of got pulled from him when he was becoming like red hot. Yeah. And they kind of made an unnecessary heel turn with him. So that's kind of anti what I said in a sense. There's, but that's a shade of gray too. He's never out there going, "I'm your friend, everybody. Ha ha ha! Like me and buy my merch." He's going out there. You want me to kick this guy's ass? Good, because I do too. He sucks. Well, you know, so that's a shade of gray in a print protagonist sense. But hey, at the end of the day, if people are paying money to see it, you're onto something. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, before we move on to, uh, it's funny you mentioned being a Browns fan and and uh, college football fan and all that, because I did want to ask you a couple sports questions. But before we get to that, um, is there anything else on the on the subject at hand? Uh, pro wrestling that you wanted to sort of wrap up with? I mean, as far as maybe state of the industry or where you see things going in 2022 for yourself or others, just uh, any, any final words on, on wrestling before we get into that? Yeah. Real briefly. Cause I think I wanted to touch on it when you were talking too. is, uh, you know, the sophistication or how new and unique what we're doing is and stuff like that. And I, I just, want fans because I think they are lost in this bubble where one or two voices on the internet dictate whether they like something or they don't and they don't make up their own mind or they don't make their own decisions till they see what's said so they watch something and they're probably like yeah I think I like that see you know what did so-and-so say that was stupid one star oh no I didn't like that instead of just they could have just not looked at that and been like, yeah, it was pretty good. That made sense to me because they're doing that. Yeah. So finding your own 
truth and own opinions in what's being presented. And also giving, everyone wants long-term storytelling with well-developed characters and emotions and payoffs. And we rarely get that because everybody's so fickle that to get there, sometimes we have to take the steps back. So maybe when something's new, unique, or different, to not discredit it immediately, because people now listen to the internet, for better or worse. Maybe don't discredit it till you know it's bad, because maybe it's going somewhere. Like in that one fan example I had at the final battle, the guy went from, if that segment ended with me, show your narrative, done. Stupid, DC3 sucks. That was dumb. But, but like it was going somewhere. It was taking you to a point to where this thing's then going to happen where he's like, oh my God, it's Braun. With his <laughs> hands waving in the air like he's, you know, cheerleading. It was hilarious to me. So it's like giving things time to develop, develop your own opinions as fans. Try to find what you like and don't use other people's opinions to gauge what you like. Don't be part of the, the bubble. You know, the sour group think or the divisive demo rating battle, or this show sucks and this show's great. I have to like everything on this show and I can't like one thing on that show. You can like what you want to like and you can dislike what you want to dislike. That's your right. Go for it. Enjoy it or don't. But give things time to take, take shape and know that wrestling fans talk always about they want new, 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 but they'll so gladly get nostalgic for the past over anything taking place that's new. So somebody else coming back, like to get new, sometimes you got to go through the rough patches of new to get there. Very, very well said. And I'll just, you know, just to add to something that you said about, you know, it does seem like if you, if you like one company, you have to, like you, it's like you have to pit it against this other company. Well, I love this, but I hate that. I've always, I mean, this is very simple to me. If you don't like something, don't watch it. And, and you know, to, it's like some people I feel like, and it's not just with wrestling, it could be with other forms of entertainment. I feel like some people watch things just so they can anger themselves about how much it sucks. So they can then go on the internet and say how much it sucks. I don't know why. That's just such a weird thing to me. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't watch, and this is just me. I don't watch any other wrestling except Ring of Honor. And I'm not saying that because I'm a corporate guy or anything like that. That's just true. I haven't watched WWE since whatever WrestleMania it was that the women were in the main event because I was really interested in that when it was Ronda Rousey and, and Becky and Charlotte Flair. Um, that's the last WWE match I've watched. And, uh, and I have no desire to go back and watch it. That's just me. If you love it, and I'm not saying you personally, but if anybody out there loves it, and millions obviously do, God bless you. I'm happy for you. Yeah. It's not for me, you know, and, and because it's okay, it's okay. Like what you like, but this, the, the need to always tear down what you don't like, uh, this doesn't make any sense to me, but you know, it's not just wrestling. That's again, it's anything. Yeah. Superheroes, comic books, you know, the nerds always want to argue my guy's better, you know, Superman's better than Batman or you know, whatever it is. So yeah, it's, yeah, schematics, it, nothing matters. What are we talking about here? Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of, speaking of nothing matters, um, yeah. let's, talk, let, let's talk about sports for, for a little bit, just because I know you and I are big, uh, 
big sports fans. As you mentioned, we're uh, AFC North rivals, me a Baltimore guy with the Ravens, you a Cleveland guy. Uh, full disclosure for everybody out there listening, we are recording this prior to the week 16 games in the NFL. So anything we right. say now, we may look totally ridiculous based on what happens uh, in week 16. But uh, I just want to ask you, who wins the AFC North? Because it's up for grabs right now. There's one game separating first place from last place. Uh, you know, that Monday COVID brought to you by Omnicron, Browns depleted, best. <laughs> I really chat my ass. I, and then they had it. Like, I'm like, oh, they're going to kick a field goal at the end and lose this. Okay, that's what happened. But uh, who wins the AFC North? Let me just take a quick rant, side rant. Remember uh, the first Baltimore game? My uh, fantasy team, I'm in a super competitive league. I have Lamar going against the Browns. And oh, I'm not – like, I'm like 20 points behind. I'm like, no matter what, I'm winning this game. That keeps me in the playoff hunt. Uh, my team was depleted from bye week, so like I needed that win. And this dude, I'm like, I don't like playing against my own team, but like, you know, what? I want to win the the bragging rights of all these other pro wrestlers, and I want to win the money. Lamar goes in there, throws four interceptions, and they still f- win. Right. I, I couldn't like, so the season ended for me there. So I didn't even know the AFC North was that tied in until this Monday game. I'm like, oh, if we win, we're tied to first place because we beat him in that other ugly-ass game. I, I think Baltimore wins it, though, I would say. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna we're going to beat, beat Cincinnati again. See, I don't think you are. We're going to beat Pittsburgh. You don't think so? No, I think, I think so. Cincinnati's going to win the division. I think they're going to beat the Ravens. Uh, and, again, that, that game will already have taken place by the time this drops, so we'll see. But I think they're going to beat the Ravens, lose to the Packers, beat the Browns. So they'll be 10-7. Uh, and seven. Uh, I think we'll be nine and eight. I think we'll be Pittsburgh. And uh, I think you will uh, beat Pittsburgh, lose to Green Bay, lose to Cincinnati. So you guys will be, what, eight and nine? Is that, is that right? Uh, yeah. And I think the Steelers are going to lose out. So they'll be in last seven, nine, and one. That, that's how I see it. That's how I see it going down. I definitely see us losing the Packers but beating the Bengals and the Steelers because that's just the way we do shit. But somehow we're not going to get in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's it's so strange to say who would at the beginning of the year would have said, Yeah, the Bengals. That's the team. It's like this is gonna be a most most of the so-called experts thought, well, it's a three-team race, Steelers, Ravens, Browns, or maybe, you know, a lot of people said, nah, it's really a two-team race, just the Ravens and Browns. And everybody discounted them. It's almost like these talking heads on anything from the news to sports news to the internet to wrestling always say something and they're never right. So why do we even listen to it. I don't. I, I you know what I love? I love, the I love the recency bias. It's like the Ravens when they beat the Chargers this year, 34 to 6. Oh man, that Ravens, best team in the AFC. They're, yeah, this is what all the talking heads say after the fact. And then the Bengals blow out the Ravens. Then it's the, oh, the Bengals. Boy, they, 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 they expose the Ravens. They're the best team. Then the Bengals go out and like lose to the Jets. You know, it's like every week, it's like, this is the team. It's like, you're not telling me anything I didn't already. Like, I just saw it, too. I can say that, too. Tell me, like, going forward, what do you see? Like, don't tell me what just happened. Of course I can say, oh, they're the, yeah, they were the best team on Sunday. Blues? Anyway, enough of that. The, 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 the experts don't know any more than we know. There's, I'm convinced of that. 
let's talk about, uh, and I hope I'm not, we're not boring people out there with this, but you know, maybe they've already stopped listening. So when we stop talking about wrestling, but those who care, those who care, um, Baker Mayfield, I just want to get your feeling big contract extension in the off season or not the guy. I think he's a guy that plays with all of his heart and all the like the intangibles of winner. And I think he's injured. I think he's severely injured and he's playing through it. And that might be a detriment to him. I don't think he's a big money signing. There probably should be some sort of like a healthy year trial yeah. on him. But I do think he has what it takes to be a winner, which is more important sometimes than, you know, stats. But, uh, like, yeah, I don't know if he's – this season would not garner a franchise paycheck, but maybe there's an option where it's like he knows that, they know that. Yeah. Let's see what happens next year. Plus, I think there's something off with that Odell relationship where he played so much better without him, and yeah, like, they kept forcing it. Yeah, that was weird. That, just, that marriage never worked right from the, from the get-go. Donovan, he throws it to Donovan Peoples-Jones better than he does the the legend. So I'm down with him. I like him. I think he plays hard. He plays well. He means the best. And has he's he's got Brady factors minus the uh, actually winning this time. So we'll see. (laughs) Except for the winning. Yes, that's – I get that. But, yeah. Brady had better teams until now. Now we have a good team that's not yeah. as good as it should be. But hey, well, you know, I play. I play one more. I give him one shot. All right, man. This has been a great. Uh, I've enjoyed catching up with you, um, as I always do. Enjoy talking to you. Before I wrap it up, tell the people where they can follow you uh, on social media, and and once again, give them uh, the info on where they can find uh, control your narrative. All right. Real easy. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media platforms develop from here to the end of time. I'll try to be at the real EC3. I do not have a TikTok. We might start a control your narrative TikTok. You can follow control your narrative on Instagram as well. I put some young upstart comedian wrestler dude in charge of that. So maybe it gets updated. Maybe it doesn't. I hate social media, but I have it. Uh, Control your narrative can be found at controlyournarrative.co or YouTube, Control Your Narrative. Also, if you're into me personally and my stuff with my fitness app, myself, uh, freeec3.com, or if you just go to like any of my social profiles and go to that stupid link tree, you can find all this I don't know, I'm a terrible salesman. <laughs> all right, well, yeah, no, it's all propaganda, right? To you, it, it's all propaganda. It's true. true, this is true. All right, man. Hey, thanks for uh, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you somewhere in 2022. Yeah, hopefully in April. Yeah, yeah. It's not that far away. Uh, enjoy the holidays. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll, I'm sure our paths will cross, hopefully, 2022. All right. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening today and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, 
You can read my column, X-Files, EC3, reads it religiously, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Till next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe, and let's all be ROH strong.